Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company on the cutting edge of trends. Now, let's talk tech. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Event Tech Podcast. That man across the table from me today is the additional Brand Kruger of Event Technology Consulting. I suppose that's an adjective. That gentleman <laughs> over there is the electric Will Curran of Endless Events. Ooh, I like it. It's electric. Uh, <laughs> What's uh, it? In Shazam, he's like, electric. what are you? You Mr. Sparkle Fingers. <laughs> like, I just think of that, like electricity flying from my fingers. You shoot electricity from your fingers. <laughs> well, we were we were talking one of the last times we were on, we were talking about your, your DJ career. So oh, I yeah, yeah. More than a couple of times you've heard. Oh, my gosh. That's right. Uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's electric. I, I never really played that song, to be honest. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I always played the cha-cha slide. Well, of course, cha-cha, <laughs> real smooth. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we're not talking about that, but if you want to catch that last episode, that was a hilarious ending to the episode. <laughs> um, we are talking about some news about Brent and I's favorite thing in the entire world, which we love to harp on and has not seen a big movement on. And feels like our annual check-in to see like how everyone's doing is data security. There was some big news this week about Marriott and what happened with them. What what, what exactly happened, Brent? Is, so is, is this going to be like an annual episode where it's like <laughs> the, it's the data episode? Or or is it even going to be worse? Is it going to be specifically a Marriott data episode? <laughs> um, now, to be fair, I, I want to be 100% fair on this. So, yeah, this week we came down uh, that there's there's been, quote, unquote, yet another uh, data breach. Now, I have to say, I, I you know, you go through, the, you got to get past the first click into the second click into the third click and dig on, dig on this one a little bit because it's easy. It's always easy for folks to pile on. And so to be fair, I think what this was, as I'm kind of reading between the lines, was a single hotel mm. and specifically a single person at a single hotel got hacked. And it sounded like they used um, some uh, social engineering stuff. Mm. So they were actually able to uh, get access to a single computer. So it's not like they had access to the whole network. We're talking about hundreds of records instead of thousands or millions, or millions. of records. Um, it sounds like they did get some credit card information. And that's part of what we want to talk about today is exactly that. So I, I think to be fair about this specific data breach, I think is a bit of a nothing burger mm -hmm. in that it's, you know, it's not nothing to those people. It's not nothing to those, you know, several hundred people who may have had their credit card hacked. But in comparison to the, you know, millions of people, people that were breached through the Starwood hack, and, you know, there, there was another mm -hmm. one where it was several million people, um, compared to how bad it could have been, um, this is not very bad in the big picture of data breaches. And before you click off, if you've been a long time listener and you're like, oh God, they're going to say no, the same no, thing they always say, no. not again, or you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just too small and this is never going to happen to me. Don't click away because Brent and I almost didn't do an episode on this. Like we literally were like, we're not going to talk about it. It's got, it's being with that horse. But then we started kind of like talking about specifics and we realized like we don't sometimes talk about like specific tactical things that you can do. And I think we got some new fresh stuff other than like use two factor authentication like we've been talking about for years. Right. Um, so we, I think we got some new fresh stuff. So don't click away quite yet. 
Well, and that's one of the things that I want. So as, as I did dig into this, this data breach, one of the things that was released by the hacker is like, see, see, is so first of all, again, it looks like it's just one hotel. But this is something that's bothered me for quite some time is that especially when dealing with hotels, is this hotel reservation credit card authorization form. Oh my gosh. Where, where they're literally asking for a photocopy or a scan of your card. Uh, a physical card so mm -hmm. that they can start to anticipate, you know, what the charges are going to be. And, you know, anyone who's been in events has probably seen this, uh, this, you know, this kind of uh, form where it's got it, you know, this is how much we think it's going to be. This is how much we're agreeing to pay, you know, all of this kind of stuff. What bothers me about it is I've always known in the back of my head that these things are not being deleted. <laughs> <laughs> afterwards, right? No, never. So that they're, they're going in a folder somewhere. Uh, so, you know, it used to be you had to fax these things in and that, you know, so there'd be a paper copy. Okay. You know, maybe now it goes to like goes an open email address that 20 people have a login to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was thinking even further back, like literally you'd fax it in and it would go oh, yeah. into a physical filing cabinet. Okay. You know, that's, that's less, less of a problem. But as soon as this stuff went digital and people started, you know, asking for these types of credit card authorization forms through email, Mm -hmm. Or you know, uh, you know, or even just you know, here's a here's a here's a secure file transfer, even which we can touch on again in a little bit. Um, I just knew in the back of my head that this stuff was going into a file folder, like a digital file folder somewhere yeah. on someone's you know hard drive. And so as soon as that's the case, and so yeah, one of the things that was released was literally one of these hotel reservation credit card authorization forms for well, I don't, we wouldn't need, we wouldn't need to pile on which hotel, but you know, for the specific hotel that was hacked, and mm -hmm. it showed the scanned you know front and back of the card you know the yeah. actual like name of the guest name who it was for the arrival date the departure date that all it's been redacted in the public version but I mean it's all of this information including their home address you know city wow. state zip you know maybe it was a company card I guess we don't know for sure and so anytime we've seen these things in we, we, we have to ask uh, I, I push back. So when I get asked to do the, one of these forms, I was like, "Why do you need a physical copy of my form? I can give, I, I can, I can call it in. I can give you a, mm -hmm. a, 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 you know, a number right now. Um, I don't even care if you write it down on a piece of paper, you know, right yeah. there. You know, go yeah. ahead. You know, but at least it's not there sitting out there digital somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so my my first challenge would be to hotel and hospitality industry don't hang on to these things so if you have to go down this road of a hotel you know credit card authorization please for the love of god delete them the moment that event is over and like like you know burn the hard drive you know drive a stake through it something <laughs> you know just so that this so that there's not digital versions of this mm -hmm. just floating around on someone's computer that's a really great pro tip anytime you have sensitive data like if you have to export a list of attendees and look at it and to, to do something in Excel that Google Sheets can't do or the platform can't do, just delete it from your computer immediately when you're done looking at it. If you really need it five minutes later, just download it again. But that probably won't happen. You download it, you look at it, you forget about it, and boom, a year later, it's still sitting on your hard drive with all that data. And I think that's a great example of those authorization forms. And if anyone's never encountered one of these, I mean, another pro tip security thing is that it happened a lot actually at Endless when we were first starting the company before we all had authorized credit card users, before we were using a service like Ramp where we could give individual credit cards to people that pooled 
pulled off of a larger credit balance, right? Like those sort of things are secure. They would say like, oh, well, the credit card was in Will Kern's name because I was obviously the authorized user. I was the owner of the business. And if I sent a new employee out who didn't have one of those cards quite yet or whatever it may be, I would just book it under my, their name, but then use my credit card. And then they'd show up and I obviously don't want the employee to like get a $2,000 hold on their account. So what ends up happening is that they go, oh yeah, well, if you want to use that card, you need an authorization form to for that user to be able to use it. And I think it's so silly because obviously the reason why they do this is one is for like data so they can input it into the system. That makes sense a lot. But if I send a physical card with someone, like you don't need that form. But the other reason why too is the, the hotel's like avoiding the idea of you, you, someone coming in and frauding me as a user because I stole my credit card, right? And that's totally understandable. Hotels are like one of the first things that like flag to be like, is your card stolen when it shows up in Orlando randomly the next day? And when you were in Phoenix the day before, but the problem is like, there's so many like chargebacks and security protocols now, like these cards are way more secure, like vendors, let's like not do that and make ourselves liable for doing that. Because then now you're making yourself more liable by holding onto the information. And I'm sure this happens all the time with small event professional vendors is like, I see this also with credit card authorization forms for suppliers and they go, oh yeah, put all your credit card information, all these things like that in a form and send it back to us. So this isn't just hotels, this is happening like in actual planning vendor conversations and things like that. So my pro tip for that is always use something like Stripe, use some sort of like system that you can give them a link and say, just submit the information and pay it right now. You'll probably find too that you'll charge them faster. You'll get that cash back faster and everything like that. And this kind of like, I'm not sure if we want to move away from credit cards, but you wanted to talk a little bit about ACH. Yeah, <laughs> like before, that blew my mind to think about the, too. It, it falls in the same category. Before we before we even get to that, though, just on the subject of deleting the files, and and well, this leads into the ACH as well. You know, and anytime we're sending these forms back and forth via email, that's a whole mm -hmm. another thing. Oh yeah. But at the very least, like you said, when you're done with it, uh, you know, delete it right away. And then both Windows and Apple at this point have the ability to say, empty files from the trash after X number of days. Oh, like so, an automatic, like empty right. your trash. So, you can, so I get it. Like, I, you know, and I do that all the time where I've, I delete something and then like three days later, it's like, oh, no, 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 I need that. You know, that kind of thing. Rarely, though, is it 30 days later. And oh, yeah. so I have mine set to auto, so, so to auto clean out anything in the trash that's older than 30 days. And that's if clever. it is, it is. And usually it's not life ending. You know, it's usually, you know, something that uh, that can be regenerated or redone. So rarely. So when it comes to these types of forms, though, specifically, you know, set that trash up so that it's, mm. uh, you know, so it's auto deleting after 30 days, go ahead and trash the stuff right away. You know, whether it's, again, attendee lists or these types of forms. And then, yeah, as an independent contractor, I get asked all the time, uh, you know, send us your W-9, you know, send, send <laughs> us your tax forms. Um, and so, okay, great. So now you're asking me to send via email an IRS form that has my social security number, <laughs> my name, my address, all of this kind of stuff. My sign a signature on it too. Right, yep, yep, signature. So all of this stuff is on there. And then even worse, I get asked for ACH information. So check clearinghouse uh, mm -hmm. information about so that people, it's, it's wonderful that people want to pay me digitally because it saves so much time and things like that. But same kind of thing. Now, not only am I sending you my social security number, my name, my home address, I'm sending you my bank information oh my and my, my checking account number and you know what the checking account is listed under and the routing number and literally wow. everything you would need to rip me off of everything that I own. <laughs> um, and so, you know, and they're just like, yeah, just send it to us via email. And I'm just like, can I... 
hop on a call. <laughs> yeah, know? and that's talk. what I would do is I, I would I would send either I would send an encrypted PDF or something like that, and that would mess people up. Um, I'd say, okay, here it is. You know, the password. Call is me for the password. The, you know, call me for the password, or I would make it like the uh, the zip code of you know their main offices, and I wouldn't say in the email what that is. I would just say. The password is the zip code of your main offices, and I would make sure it was stripped out of any, you know, signatures or anything like that. Like that's like bare minimum level that I would do. And you know, after doing that for a lot of years and having people get complaining about the 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 PDFs and things, I actually started researching. Okay, how can we? Can I do like secure links through a Dropbox or something along those lines? And even those, I was struggling with a bit because um, they, you know, that that information is still sitting out on a server somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. that it's, it's a Dropbox. So if I got my Dropbox hacked or something along those lines, uh, it was still available because Dropbox has always been open and honest about the fact that they have access to all your files. And if they get subpoenaed or anything like that, they, they just hand them over. And mm-hmm. so I was just doing some research of like, what's a simple file transfer uh, thing where I literally, I want to send you something in, through encrypted email. And I landed on in Cryo, in Cairo, uh, oh. So I always want to say in cryo, like encryption, but it's actually in Cairo, E-N-C-Y-R-O.com. And oh. uh, it's about, you know, like like everything is these days, it's about a hundred bucks a year. Um, but for those two to three times a year that I need it, sometimes more, sometimes less, um, I found it a really simple solution where I can just kind of keep these, uh, basically keep them as email templates out in the cloud of like, here's my ACH information that you requested. Yeah, that's great. It sends them an encrypted email. The second they open it, I get a notification. The second they download it, I get a notification. Um, nice. And then um, it's uh, their, their, their higher plans are HIPAA compliant, they're IRS nice. compliant. It's absolutely meant, it's really aimed at like uh, accountants. Mm. Uh, and I, and that's kind of how I was like, if it's good enough, you know, for accountants <laughs> sending yeah, this information enough. back and forth, it's good enough for me. So that's the that's one that hard. I landed on. And so it's another one of these, but once it's in their hands, I really hope that they're deleting that information. Yeah, please you know, delete I can, it. I can get it there securely. I can get it there in an encrypted email, but once it's on their hard drive, it's out of my control. So please, please, mm. please, I hope. My, my wonderful clients that are out there, I really hope that you're getting rid of that information <laughs> once I send it to you. Well, that's why it's always helpful, too. Like, when you're using sometimes those tools that track, like, a send is, like, a disable the ability for them to download it as a PDF. Like, we, we did that for, like, our proposals for a while because we wanted to track, like, how long everyone's looking on each page. Um, and then, you know, also because the money export as a PDF, it always looked ugly. But, like, that's also a very helpful feature, too. If they just need to get some data off that document, and then but they don't need the actual document to keep on file, like, that's totally perfect. Some W9 is obviously different. Like, the W9 usually gets mailed, and there's, like, some actual uh, stuff that goes with it. But... Um, that enc- and that encrypted link is only good for three days. You can set oh, how long it's good for. So, so that link that gets sent uh, via email, I forgot to mention nice. that, is also it's only good for a certain number of days, which is kind of funny because then they get back to you and they're like, oh, we tried to click on the link and it didn't work. It's like, yeah, because you sat on it for three days. Yeah, or like a month. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> no, that's actually a really great point. Like the idea of a burner, uh, like the ability for you to – and there's lots of tools. If you look like – I think there's like like – bunch of different tools if you look like burn after reading kind of stuff you can do lots of stuff like if you need to send a piece of information like your social security number and you want to send it without putting in an email you can actually there's a website i don't know what the heck it's called but i'm sure if you google like delete after send encrypted text or something like that i'm sure you would be able to find that there's tons of tools where you can create instant quick links that clip someone clicks on once 
you know, and then boom, it gets deleted. And that's great for password sharing too, if you're not using a password manager too. Um, but obviously if someone copies it, they can see the password and just save it on their own. Um, so I'll add to the ACH thing, one way to do it securely too, from a vendor perspective, um, we basically as a company went completely paperless. Like we actually charge clients, believe it or not, to use checks because it just became so hard, so hard to track. Oh, it's in the mail. Okay. Well, um, what week later, we're like, it should have been here by now. And they're like, I swear I sent it. And it comes like a week and a half later. It just creates so much issue. And like, also too, it creates paper trail. It creates unnecessary use of gas for the mail to get over. Like there's no use into it. Everyone ACH doesn't use credit cards anymore. So what we do is to set up a secure ACH is Stripe has an integration with Zero, which is our accounting software that does all of our invoices. And QuickBooks does this too, is that whenever somebody invoice someone, it has a button that says pay with ACH. And it pops up with bank account information. And it's actually a Wells Fargo account. But what most people don't realize, and this actually trips people up because sometimes they'll ask for the ACH information, which we send like you do, a secure document. But then they click on the ACH and they say, that's a Wells Fargo account. But we have, I don't even know, I'm not going to even say what brand of bank I have on, on a recording. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Careful and with that so, data, buddy. So they're, they're different. I don't use Wells Fargo as our actual account. Uh, there you go. Now there's 5,000 other banks to choose from. People get tripped up. They're like, but you don't have Wells Fargo. And I'm like, because what Stripe does, it's brilliant. For the ACH, they, they create a custom uh, ACH account that's used just for intake for you as a client. And what's even cool, and like all these things, not only do they have security ramifications, they have convenience uh, things. It's so cool. When someone pays us, it matches up immediately to the invoice and marks it as paid. So you get a receipt immediately upon payment versus if you manually ACH in it, my, my CFO needs to look through all the accounting. Oh, hey, here's the payment. Okay, now I'll go market, do some manual work and all these things like that. And like, I think that's really where a lot of benefit can come to. Like I'm thinking about convenience factor with the auto emptying trash is that like, not only does it auto delete the stuff, but also too, like you, most of the time, the biggest thing that's taken the most amount of space in your hard drive is what's in your trash. You probably have like a 200 gigabyte video file that you forgot to download a year ago. That's like sucking up your entire hard drive. Like all these things are not only more secure, but usually they're also more convenient. So like look into integrations. If you're a vendor right now, look into an integration with Stripe and using their ACH tool. And it's ridiculously cheap. It's something like, um, up like it's like 0.5% of the transaction up to $10. Like it's still cheaper than a wire transfer, all those things like that. And oh my gosh, it's amazing. Like I love that literally we have instant reconciliation of payments and everything like that. And you know, literally I'm never having to give my bank account information out. So, you know, it's a that. great point. There's, there's another, there's also other services out there that will handle these ACH things where you're able to then send a link to mm. the client or the vendor, whoever is going to be paying, whoever needs to get paid. So, uh, you know, a, a vendor or whoever, they can then put in their ACH information into a secure, you know, web form, nice. and then it's all set up on their end. And then you don't need to transfer it anywhere. So there's lots of services that do that, some of which I believe are free. Um, I'm sure. Where the way that they make, because I'm pretty sure I, I've, I've been paid in the past where it's like, just so you know, you're going to get paid in a week if you'd like it sooner, all you have to do yeah. is pay, you know, that kind of, so they're making their money off the back end. Mm -hmm. So I would assume it's free for the employer uh, to be able to, to, to use those services because that's, they're making their money on the, uh, basically the payday advance. Uh, yeah. I wonder if it's like an there. arbitrage kind of situation where like, because they hold on to it for a week, they can, they yes. like do something they, with that money or whatever. Yep, they get, they get, they get mm -hmm. a week's worth of interest from somebody. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, 
I'll add in like uh, to, to kind of pivot to another thing that's related to planning away from like payments and uh, that sort of stuff. It's, it's stuff that I see clients ask all the time. That's like just it's super simple stuff. We talked about just deleting files, but like at Endless, what we do is we do everything in Google Drive. We have an enterprise, like the most secure version of Google Drive that you can have. We're using, you know, like uh, tons of software to know like, hey, if stuff's being accessed by people that shouldn't be accessing it, like we do all these things to keep things secure. And the reason why is like whenever a client is like, hey, that platform we're using, can you give us an attendee list in a spreadsheet form? You know, so many clients are just like, can you just send me the Excel file? What our team is, is has learned how to do is basically how to take it from platform straight to a Google spreadsheet and keep it on Google Drive the entire time. But you will be so surprised how many times people ask for really weird times where it requires you to get that file off the computer and then put it you know, or off the, the server and put it onto your computer. What most people don't realize is that the second that the data leaves Google Drive and goes onto your computer, it's technically a data breach by like most uh, uh, data protection officers definition. So because now you have zero control over it. You, who knows who has access to your computer, who you have no tracking of knowing when it's been downloaded, you don't have any history of record. So you know, one of the things I think for most people to realize too is that anytime you take those files and you have those things and they get brought on your computer, that's why you gotta delete it immediately because we get asked all the time, hey, can you just like do it in Excel and all these things like that? Like always try to keep it on the internet within secure tools like Google Drive or probably like an enterprise version of Dropbox. And like, I don't know much about terms of service with Dropbox, but you know, it sketches me out that they might have access to everything. But those sort of things, keeping it on the internet, those tools are designed to keep it really, really secure. Keep files off of your computer in general. And I think that's one of the best tips you, you can have when it comes to data security. Yeah, it's all it's all kind of tied together. You know, we've we've talked in the past about GDPR, and you know, you touched on the you know the the, the data regulations, uh, you know, and the data officer, you know, being saying that's technically a breach. Um, you know, that's one of the simplest things to remember when it comes to data is if you don't need it, don't collect it. Mm -hmm. And if you have it, don't keep it for any longer than you need it. Mm -hmm. And, and don't, good, you know, just don't, don't hang on to it any longer. So, so, you know, that's one of the ways that, you know, a lot of companies, you know, continue to try not to run afoul of GDPR is, is doing exactly that. So, you know, much like we were saying, get it in the trash as soon as you're done with it, same kind of thing. So if you don't need it, don't take it. And if you do take it, don't hang on to it for longer than you need it. Oh, that's brilliant. I, I, and one definition too, I don't think we've ever talked about some place, or if I have, it's always worth repeating, is that when people hear about data too, a lot of people, we think about like social, we were talking about social security numbers, bank information, uh, uh, credit card information, right? Like, um, like that's obvious. Like we're like, we, oh my gosh, I would never let this go. But most people don't realize that according to the definition of GDPR, what's called PII, personal identifying information, which is in the eyes of GDPR, as valuable as a credit card number, a social security number, everything like that. All you need is three points of data to identify somebody. So that could be first name, last name, email address. It could be first name, address, uh, birthday. Um, it could be like any combination of those things that you can use to specifically identify an individual um, within there too. So a lot of people don't fret over first name, last name, email address exports. Like I have a big thing. I was actually working on an event um, this week and they were like, oh, hey, let's just export the entire list and we'll work within Google spreadsheets to like arrange them. And I was like, no, 
we're going to work within the registration platform that's secure. It has two-factor authentication. It, it, you know, it's on a secure server. I know where it is. I know who has access to it versus putting it on a shared drive that can be shared a million different ways. And then honestly, it's never going to get deleted. So it's going to be there forever. Whereas I know when the registration platform ends and we don't decide, maybe we don't decide to use it again next year, that data is gone forever. And there's going to be some cleanliness that kind of happens afterwards. But that's something I think to always think about is like, it's sometimes you think the data is not necessarily a big deal, but there's a reason why you get so much spam email is because your email has been sent because someone didn't respect the PII rules in any sort of way. So we're, we're coming back around to our usual tips <laughs> okay, and yeah. talks, and tips, which, is fine, which is fine. You know, I, so we, we did promise some new things. We've delivered some new things. And, and so I've got some more that we can continue to do that with. But at this point, it is worth saying the usual soapbox, which the usual mm -hmm. soapbox on this is that exactly what you're saying, that we, we, we as an industry need to do a better job of understanding the power of the data that we have access to, that it's not credit cards, it's not, you know, these, the PII that's really the most dangerous stuff. It's actually the stuff that's in our registration systems. That's mm -hmm. when we're talking about first name, last name, especially with our in-person events. You know, we're okay. talking about first name, last name, home address, uh, cell phone number, mm -hmm. maybe even spouse names, flight numbers, hotel reservation numbers, all the mm -hmm. stuff that you would need in order to craft a very real looking email to that executive to say, you know, uh, dear Ms. Mendelssohn, you know, who's the, the CFO of company, you know, uh, and uh, we, we, you know, congratulate, we're looking forward to seeing you at the such and such conference. Um, we see that your car is currently scheduled to pick you up at 845 and that you're coming in on flight, uh, you know, Delta flight uh, 2121 from Newark at uh, 820. We just want to make sure that we have the car ready for you. Please click here to confirm your reservation. Okay. And they click here and boom, their, you know, their, their computer is hacked. And now, now we, because of the information that we didn't think that was all that important, uh, let that get out of our hands. Now we are the entry to their company, uh, you know, and that could be a fortune 500, you know, bank or something along those lines, all because we didn't take enough care. Uh, you know, we, we used, uh, you know, monkey one, two, three is the password for our registration site or something along those lines. So yes. this is, this is the usual soapbox where Branton will try and scare the pants out of you, uh, off of you because, <laughs> because the data that we have at our disposal for events is absolute gold for hackers to then attack our clients, to mm -hmm. then attack our executives, our stakeholders, our sponsors, our exhibitors. That's the information we're, we're not the front door, we're the side door for people to come in and get that information and to 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 attack and 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 take and steal and do very bad things. We're the we're the open the window that gets unlocked but that you forget about for a while until exactly. the until the time it gets yeah. open and you're like, "Oh, I didn't know that." Um, I got one other new practical tip. I don't know, and Brant, like, voice feel free to call me out if I've already given this this tip before. Um, but we recently implemented a tool called Riot. Um, which I've liked a lot. And I think that a lot of what this has to do is if you're listening to this podcast, especially if you're a long time listener, you're like, I know this stuff. You're probably like just as good as we are. And it feels like right now you're just mainly like pumping your fist in the air. Like, yeah. why doesn't anyone do this? So I'll give you a new one, which is I think a lot of our responsibility is if we do know about this stuff or even if we don't is to continually educate other people. 
And it's the same reason why like repeating messages around safety and things like that, like, hey, don't let your kids go buy ice cream from the ice cream man. Like you hear things like that all the time and it gets repeated and repeated because you need to do that because there's a chance that someone doesn't know and you need to make them aware of it. So we implemented a tool called Riot, which I love because, you know, you can do all these like data protection trainings and there's lots of great companies that do this sort of stuff. But I liked Riot because it, it integrated into tools, a tool we're already using. And it also did delivered in small bite-sized chunks. And it also allowed me to trigger education based on actions. And what's cool about Riot, and it's tryriot.com, is that it integrates into Slack. And I think it does Teams and a couple other tools. And it's really cool. It's basically like a little bot that serves up tips about security. What's also cool is it integrates into Google Workspace, and I believe also Microsoft 365, that it sends out phishing attacks automatically. And we chose tools that we already use, like HubSpot and Slack and Gmail, and we send out fake phishing attacks that look real. And we even connected our email domain so they look so real, you can, almost can't tell. And what I've noticed is like when we first did the thing, a lot of people failed the text. I'm not gonna lie, like every, even endless who like, I'm just hardcore about security, people are gonna fail it. But when I got this tool, it was so great because it allowed me to see who failed it. They got enrolled in courses based on how they failed it. It educated them and now no one ever fails phishing attacks ever at endless and it's been so incredible that like the point where like literally i was talking to keaton the other day and he goes uh, he goes yeah i got a weird like invoice from from hublo and you know blah 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 and he's like it, it had a weird domain and because hublo does their their on-site uh email their internal email is hublo backwards so it looks really sketchy as heck but you don't realize like that's their actual U url but what's cool about it is that he literally was just like i'm gonna forward it to you but it's probably a phishing attack don't click it and i looked at the email and i was like I actually think this is real and like it had a great attachment and everything like that. I clicked on it. I was like, no, this is a, some sort of test they're running or whatever it may be on there. Don't, it's all good. I don't know what exactly that is, but like it created so much awareness within our company that people do the right thing, which is default to don't touch anything at all versus being like, oh, hey, like, let me, you know, it looks pretty legit. I'll click on it, you know? So shout outs to that tool. It's absolutely incredible. I think finding those sort of tools that constantly train and test your team is how you really stay secure. And what's great is we get a new employee, they get put on a phishing attack like within their first week, we see how well they'll, they'll, they'll pass it. If they fail it, boom, it's part, they get, it's part of their onboarding and training basically. I'll throw in another another tip here, kind of along the same lines is, is we were talking about, um, you know, kind of in reference of no, knowing where things are going. And you're like, you, you said something like, hey, you know, hey, when you see all those emails come in, you know mm -hmm. that somebody's let your email slip. So one of the ways that I track that uh, is well, there's actually several ways. So one of them is that if you're an Apple user now, you can use the hide my email function. Oh, so where you're creating, clutch. yeah, you're creating like auto-generated emails, um, and uh, that that will just forward to to mm -hmm. your email account. So you can kind of make these burner burner emails for signing up for conferences or that that demo of your latest online platform, and then you can start to see then where it gets used for next. And mm. so I was actually testing someone's privacy policy once and uh, registered for their conference using one of these fake emails to then, and, and it specifically checked, no, I don't want to be contacted by anybody. No, I don't want to be oh, marketed no. to. No, I don't want to have anything of that. And of course, what happens? I started getting contacted by the exhibitors and the sponsors. So they clearly yeah. completely and ignored you, the check. And you boxes. know it's that for everyone who doesn't use this tool, you know it's them because it shows it's being sent to this randomly generated, right. like XC54, yep. like random generated at hide my email dot icloud dot com. So you like know exactly where it is and which 
what you signed up for that did that. So there's so there's that way of doing it, and then kind of that's my like I'm really never going to be using this email again way way yeah. of, way of doing it. <laughs> there's the, the way that's a little bit less is that Gmail, uh, so Google accounts, all of the Google email accounts have the ability to use a plus function. Um, so if if my email address was uh, you know Sid Barrett at gmail dot com, um, you could do Sid Barrett plus. Uh, you know, and then anything that you want, and it ignores nice. the plus in anything you want. And so it's a great way. I use it for sorting, you know, for 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 newsletters, newsletters. For, you know, so I'll I'll green light something as, you know, uh, Sid Barrett plus, you know, bacon at, you know, at gmail.com. And then it's like, it's that's, that's something I signed up for. Yeah, but nice. it's interesting then to see when those start coming from different directions. It's like, well, okay, I signed that up for, you know, plus BBB because it was a Bed Bath & Beyond, uh, you know, uh, promotion. And then it's all of a sudden it's coming from a different company and a different company and a different company. So you can do that in all, all Gmail accounts. You can just add that plus whatever. Um, and it's a great way to track. And then they just recently added that to Microsoft accounts. It's something that has to be enabled oh. by an administrator, though. Oh. So I have my own, you know, official Microsoft, uh, you know, Outlook.com account, and it's basically Office 365 running in the cloud. So nice. I have access to the back end and was able to turn that on. So you're actually able to do that for Microsoft accounts, too, but your administrator has to turn it on. Uh, another it's example really these, convenient for filtering things. These like burner style um, things are so clever. I think Apple is going to be doing with the Apple Card too for credit cards. So like you can create a new credit card number for every single time you do a transaction online, which is clever. Another example, I've never used this tool, so I can't necessarily 100% endorse it um, on here. But it's I think feel free to Google this tool plus alternatives if you want to research. Um, is privacy.com. It allows you to create a custom fake credit card that links to your main credit card every single time. Um, you know, the only downside and the only reason that we that I don't use this tool is that like I want credit card points. And if I'm like booking a hotel, I want to make sure that it, the transaction shows up as a hotel. I haven't looked to see if they figured out how to get around that piece um, on it. They but, haven't. And, yeah, no, I've, I've done some research on this as well, and 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 I, I yeah, I've I've heard good things about privacy.com as well. Uh, the downsides are that, mm. you know, because it doesn't forward on to your, you know, your credit card points. The other downside is that it's technically a debit card, so it's coming. Oh. You can't. It's not just a credit card. So, so they it's got to come out of an actual bank account. So, so the, I mean, so it's kind of good news, bad news. So the good news is that you can't. You know, they're not going to accidentally if that you know fake card does get stolen. They can't rack up, you know, a gajillion dollars in credit card. The bad news is it's real money. <laughs> that, oh, interesting. That comes That's out. so interesting. Um, but you'll you'll know, you know, the, the so it's good news, bad news, good news. The good news is then you'll know exactly what got hacked. Yeah. Because yeah. it was it's that specific card that got used to the the fake number, and so you say, oh, that's the card that I used to you know to to pay that one vendor one time and so it's totally. like well then you know where, <laughs> you know where it got uh, you know where it got leaked I, I think most like uh, banks are really good about like if it f detects something fraudulent to it, it notifies you so quickly and like you can just shut it down immediately even if it was like a while ago like I think the, the we're at this age where like people understand credit card fraud happens all the time and it's so easy to cancel a card reorder a new one like I actually make it a process to do that regularly because it kind of like helps me also check my my subscription addictions that sometimes we all get where we're just like oh yeah nine dollars a month totally good um another tool and i mentioned it off the cu 
off, but super helpful for security is a tool like Ramp or Brex, which is like a company credit card system. Um, and what's cool about it, we use Ramp. What's nice is we can ship out virtual cards, kind of like privacy.com, but also physical cards. And we can do things like, for example, um, the marketing team at Endless has a certain amount of budget to spend on software every single month. So we put all of our software tools on one single card and then we cap it at like $5,000 a month. So we know that if, if that exceeds $5,000 a month, maybe there's something fraudulent in there as well. So you can do those sort of things that if you need to just give someone a card to book a hotel once, you can give them a $300 limit or whatever the heck it is on there too. That, that really I think helps a lot on security and giving that individual kind of buckets to play with. Um, man, are we, are we, is this all new stuff? That was, I think that was all. I think that was all new stuff. I think that was all stuff that we haven't talked about before. I, I think it'd be worth recapping our usual just to hear, you know, kind of towards the end here. But uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to throw out? Otherwise, I've, I've that's that's most of my new toys. Yeah, I'm. I, I mean, going into the the older stuff, that's still very very true. Is you know, don't share login information via an email, a Slack message, whatever it is. Please use a password manager. Oh, this is I guess kind of new and exciting. Is and I I've been jealous that you've had this for a while. Is use LastPass for for a long period of time for your password manager. I've been a Dashlane person. It's like Brand Will's Marvel DC rivalry. Dashlane has a built-in two-factor authentication generator, which I love. And I actually used to use a mix of Authy and I actually use a co-generator on my security key. Uh, then I lost a key and it became very, very hard to get into a lot of different cards. But I uh, recently switched all my two-factor authentication codes over into Dashlane, and I really loved it because it auto-fills the two-factor authentication code in. And at this point, my, two, my Dashlane is my most secure like account that I use on there. So um, just use a two-factor authentication uh, uh, system. Use a password manager. Um, I like we also use RPass at Endless because it's built into our employee onboarding system so we can share passwords amongst each other. I think that's kind of like the tried and true like thing and we just got to keep reminding people of but you know um, don't if someone says hey how do I get into this software but first see if you can make them account so they have their own security their own secure password and then if you absolutely have to share the password do it in a password manager so you can revoke it you can make the password super secure you can make it so they can't see it do that sort of stuff please 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 so now yeah number one is password manager that's always been top of our list the second one is is uh, two-factor authentication we've talked about that in the past go back and listen to that episode uh, uh the episodes on data security you'll hear us uh, talking about that so that's where yeah you've got that authenticator app that generates a random code all of those kinds of things way better than the text codes yeah, uh, that, don't that do you get, which I really wish they'd get rid of those stupid text codes. It seems like we're um, getting to a point where we might not have passwords too. Was it Apple and Google are getting together for their like passwordless yep. thing? But you know, we're probably a year or two away from the that technology's seeing, been like, there for for years now. It's just a matter of people getting behind it. The uh, the two factor authentication app that I use is OTP Off. Mm -hmm. um, it's two factor authenticator for pros is how Ooh. it's labeled. Um, and that's how they got uh, you. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you, you can organize it, you can do folders. And then the oh, most cool. important thing that I ran into with my old authenticator was, um, they stopped supporting it. And so it was starting to get buggy and stuff like that. And it's like, I, there's no way to export that, you know, that yeah. information into a new app. So one of the things that I like about this one is you can actually display the QR code again. So it no takes that way. key. Yep. And so you That's can bring word. it up. So if I needed, you know, if I set up an account, you know, that my wife needs to have access to, I can share that code and she can add it to her authenticator as well. Oh, nice. So That's what I've, what I learned the hard way with that last one is I reset everything up, um, is I would, I would get it set up in OTP auth. I would generate that QR code and then I'd print it. 
And so I actually have printed mm. out those QR codes and put them in a safe. Nice. Uh, so that should I ever have to, or I get hit by a bus, or my you know phone gets run over, you know, or something along those lines, yeah. I can I can regenerate all of those codes in a new authenticator app without having to, uh, uh, you know, start all from scratch. Totally. And that, um, you know, and anyone who's ever listening to this, when it comes to security, there's security and convenience, and they are a trade-off 100%. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes there's things that are more convenient, like ACH through Stripe, that's convenient and more secure, but most of the time there's a trade-off when you end up doing things. Things that you know are, are, are more convenient become more of a trade-off. So for example, in Brand's case, the ability to generate the QR code is brilliant, I love that, but he's gotta make sure that password that he has to that is super secure, he's gotta really make sure those things are printed really well, uh, and it's locked in a secure safe that no one has access to, because in theory, if I were to ever get access to those, I could scan, regenerate it, and get that code. But like, I gotta really want it then at that point to do it. So yeah. there's this point where you sometimes trade off security for convenience in a lot of ways. Yep, exactly. And then the next step up from that was using a two-factor key, uh, where mm -hmm. it's actually a physical USB key, and then that's what's generating the codes, and you can do that as well. Those are kind of our stock. If you do these two things, you're gonna totally. go a long way towards yeah. protecting our data. That way you're not using monkey123 uh, for the password of the registration system. You know, you can use an actual bizarro alpha, alphanumeric auto-generated code mm -hmm. because you never have to see them. That's the beauty of a password manager is you never have to memorize other than that one really hard password for your master <laughs> password. That's true. Um, and yeah, and I, and I think the biggest thing too is just like be aware of like always choose to do the thing that seems a little bit less convenient and say no more often. I think that's like a kind of a, a theme that we have with this one. Like things like, for example, someone saying, hey, send my your credit card authorization via email. Like just say no. And, and sometimes there might be a secondary option and it's going to be a little bit less convenient, but you're going to make sure that you're a little bit more secure. And what I find is that, you know, a lot of times people don't they choose not to do the, the the secure option because they just don't know it's not secure too. Yeah. They, they go, why is there a Wells Fargo account? And you're like, oh, let me explain how this works. And they go, oh, okay, cool, you're good. And like, sure, it took me a couple extra seconds to explain it and do that sort of thing. But like, honestly, I feel safe knowing that, you know, Endless's, you know, incoming bank account information isn't just floating out on the web. And that's and and I that's exactly what I do. So before I would say I'm really uncomfortable sending that information via email. Here's an encrypted PDF. Now I say I'm really uncomfortable sending that information via email. Look very you know within the next five minutes you will see an email come in from me that is an encrypted email. If you have any problems or you don't see it, you know reach out. And that's how I kind of and it that's works. Awesome has worked every time that I've sent it out. So it hasn't been a problem with it getting sent to spam or anything like that. So that, uh, that, in, that in Cairo seems to be working uh, well for me so far. And then I'll give one last tip is if you see like a suspicious, some sort of weird email and you want to say no to it, but you also need to like verify it's real. For example, let's say you get an email that says, hey, your bank account's a fraudulent activity. Click here to approve it. And you're just like, I'm not sure if this is real. Just like take a second, call the branch number google maps the branch number. don't pull the one off the email but call go on google maps search your branch call them and then say hey uh, i saw an email from john smith saying there's fraudulent activities john smith oh yeah john smith is here okay we'll transfer you over to him and i call him i go hey this is was this real and they're like oh yeah it's totally real i'm yeah i'm the real person and you know they and i go i'm so sorry like i just decided it took me a while to get back to you and they're like no i totally understand like they're always super chill with it and like in keaton's case like he was like, hey, like I've been had this email. It's kind of looked a little weird for me for a couple of weeks now. Like, do you want to look at it real quick? And like, we were able to kind of 
collab and team work on it. And that's like data security and security. Like whenever you're getting hacked or someone's trying to fish you or use social engineering, they never want you to talk to other people because those people will be the ones who help you figure out if it's real or not. Stop, slow down, think for a second, talk to someone else. Exactly. So, so, uh, the latest ones are all about, you know, Hey, you know, good news. You know, we just placed your order for such and such security software. If you didn't place this order, click here. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. And so, of course, people are like, "Well, I didn't place an order for three hundred dollars. Click here." And so, yeah, just stop, slow down. You know, call the bank. Uh, you know, go to the company website. You know, contact their support directly. It's almost never an emergency. You know, there, there's always a time crunch with these things of like, you know, the police are on their way to arrest you because you haven't paid your taxes. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, so, so just you know, never don't succumb to the time pressure talk to someone else, slow down. I've come dangerously close to clicking on this stuff. You know, I've come, you know, where it's like, you know, oh yeah, sure. I was expecting something from something, you know, and you're like just about to click on it. Like, whoa, wait a second here. <laughs> so, I mean, we're all susceptible to this. They're getting sneakier. They're getting craftier with all this stuff. And the more information they have to make it look legitimate, the more likely you are to click on it, which again, brings us full circle as to why the stuff that we're protecting is so valuable. Because mm -hmm. that's the information that's gonna make that email look and feel real to that executive, look and feel real to that attendee. Yes, I am attending that conference. Yes, I am on flight, you know, DL2121. So of course it's gotta be real and you click on it and you're cooked. Brilliant. Brand, this is an awesome episode. Um, yeah. I, I guess the, our uh, our call to action to our audience out there in the interwebs is: what's your what's your tell us first any stories that you have of like bad data management because then we'd love to talk about it on the show and you know say what you could do better and things like that. But also too, like if you don't have those stories, but you have a way that you keep things super secure, shoot us an email: eventtechpodcast at helloendless.com. We'd love to hear from you um, all day long. Yippers. All right. Well, Brant, it's been such a pleasure. It's always great to talk to you every single week. And thank you always, for, always. for always getting to do the, the show together. Always, always. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get, we'll get out of here. Thanks, everyone in the audience, for listening today to the Event Tech Podcast. I think it's time for Event Tech to go out. The ending is encrypted. <laughs> Please click this link to verify that the Please episode click is this ended. Link to verify that this episode is ended. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or let us know about some event tech we need to talk about. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.